Welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. I am your host, Tom Gowker, and I have a disclaimer to this episode with Joey DeFrancesco. I am an early fan of his work, and I remember seeing him playing over 30 years ago, so I will always be rooting for him, and uh, Joey doesn't disappoint because his last recording is an epic event. More music is Joey DeFrancesco's latest recording. It was released on September 24, 2021 on the Mac Avenue Records. We're going to go down memory lane a little, and we're going to chat about Joey's school days with Christian McBride and, and Questlove from The Roots. And we're also going back to my jazz learning ground, a jazz club in Philadelphia called the Ortlieb's Jazz House, where Joey played and I watched over 30 years ago. These conversations can be found on an interview of Joey DeFrancesco on the Something Came From Baltimore YouTube page if you want to check all that out. Remember to subscribe and to flip the five people because we want you all to be a part of that Be More Music scene. So let's get into the interview with Joey DeFrancesco. And before we do that, we want to sample the song More Music. It's the name of the album and it's the name of a song. Well, Joey, I want to thank you very much. Uh, welcome to Something Came From Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You know, we spoke on July 8, 2019, and this is like one of the first times I'm able to catch up with someone, you know, from album to album. So I'm going to ask you some follow-ups from the, the previous interview. We were we were talking about In the Key of the Universe, which I voted as the best album of the year for the Grammys. Oh, thank you. I thought it was a, a great album, along with this album, More Music, which came out September 20th on the Mac Avenue record label. Yes. Yeah. So in between that time, you had mentioned that you're going to be working with Chris McBride for the kind of the first time, and you recorded an album together called Jimmy Wesson and Oliver. What was that like working with him after all these well, times? Well, first, I mean, as you know, the history, we went to high school together. And, you know, the first time we worked together in a studio was on my record, my third record called Part Three. When I was with Columbia, I did a couple of uh, piano trio tracks on that, and I had Christian play on that with me. So that was the first time we worked together in a, in a big way in a studio. But this was, you know, and then a lot of years, that was 19, I'm sorry, that was, yeah, 1990 when we did that. So you're talking about almost 30 years before we got a chance to do it again. And, you know, we would talk from time to time about it, but we were both so busy it just we couldn't get it together so finally he called me one day I think he called me it was like in 2016 he asked me about it you know actually we we're on the jazz cruise together that's what it was and he said what do you think about doing a 
a big band record, uh, you know, you know, some of the charts, the Oliver Nelson charts that he did with Jimmy Smith and West Montgomery. I said, yeah, that'd be fun. And then we talked about using, uh, Mark Whitfield on guitar because you know we that that's a history we all came up around the same time you know late 80s early 90s so that's how that came together and we finally got together and did it happiness is a is a chart done by Oliver Nelson oh my he is awesome yeah he's incredible yeah for sure one of my favorites I am a fan of Questlove's like podcast I'm also a fan of something came from Baltimore's podcast (laughs) but (laughs) When I when I listen to Questlove, he mentions you and uh, Christian often, but on the lines of he looked at you guys as being past well rounded. Like he came into that school not really knowing who what his voice was and who he was, and he always looked at you two as knowing exactly who you were and being ultra professional even during school. Did you ever you know knock around and hang out with him or give him any advice? Well, we were all together. First of all, we were all kids too, but we were all together. There was also Kurt Rosenwinkel was there with us too. And uh, we all had a good time together. There wasn't a lot of advice going on. We were just kids. What advice, you know, <laughs> we might've told him. He asked us things like what to listen to when it comes to straight ahead jazz and little pointers here and there, but he had such a tremendous feel, you know, he could groove. So he found his niche and, and, and really, you know, took it and did something with it. When we were talking previously, you were a vegan and you were slimming down. It looks like you continued that process because the the new uh, promo pictures, you look really thin. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not a vegan. No? Um, but I, yeah, not yet. I still eat fish, you know. Okay. Well, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it just, I, over the past, you know, it's taken a long time, but slowly, but but this last year, couple of years we really had time to concentrate and, and get more health conscious and and uh, i had already been doing that and the, just really sped it up the process and uh getting into it and swimming and going for nice walks in the desert and things and so that's you know been something i wanted to do you know when we were talking in uh, 2019 we were mentioning spirituality and that you were you were hitting a groove uh, with that album that was becoming a larger part in your life so we're just doing a catch up did, did that evolve even more for you or, you know? Yeah, that, that evolves more every day, you know, being more aware of things and paying attention to what's going on just with, you know, nature and being around that and your surroundings and it affects the music. It affects everything in your life. It's very important. That's something we all have in us, but we have to, it's something that you have to, as you mature, you pay more attention to it. It comes out more. You know, hopefully that's the goal. And I'm learning more and more about it every day. During COVID, you didn't sit still. You were still working. And were you more on an Arizona area or were you bouncing back and forth from Philadelphia? Well, we didn't work. I mean, March 15th was my last gig actually in D.C. We did we did the last gig at Blues Alley before we things got shut down. So March 16th, I was on an airplane coming back to Arizona. You know, we figured, whatever, a couple of weeks, just like everybody else, and we'll be back at it. And then it turned into, you know, what it has turned into. But from that time, and then I did one gig in front of an audience in November of 2020 in St. Louis. And then we did a couple of streams. I did the Australia, the Melbourne Jazz Festival in June of 2020. And then I did some, uh, you know, live streams on my own just for people, you know, to do them. I did uh, the Jazz Cruise did a uh, 
the stream that we recorded in October of 2020 in uh, California with George Benson, Marcus Miller. And that was fun. We did that. But yeah, primarily, you know, it was home, just dealing with the situation and bittersweet situation because it, it was nice to have some time off and really think about the music and, you know, play my instruments and write more new tunes. And that's how more music came out, you know. Yeah, we're going to get into more music. I see these albums come out like they're more and more spectacular i think that you're in a groove where your albums are almost becoming events and the the look on the album cover is really awesome your your look is amazing it's it's like you could easily be doing standards and just pumping out albums but i feel that this is an event album this is a really cool album well thank you uh you know it is an event that's how it Every album, especially over the last probably 10 years, you know, has been like an event. Exactly. And I like it. And it's it, I've always loved going into the studio, prepping for it, you know, the whole thing. And um, more music. I mean, you know, the title, every, you know, you were talking about in the key of the universe, you know, that's what that those titles and what those they are. They're themes. And they're really how I feel at the moment. There's nothing contrived about it. You know, it is what it is. And then. More music was is a situation where we had to get back to it. Just you know, there's nothing like it. You know, music is what gets you through everything. It really is. People take it for granted for sometimes about how important it is. You know, if you think about your life without it, you know, it's crazy. If you watch a TV show, a movie, anything, the music is the emotional part of it. That's why more music is. It means a lot of things. It means that. It means I'm into other aspects of the instrumentation of what I'm doing you know I have a band that's basically two bands in one it's something that I've been looking at doing for a while we started doing it already before the pandemic we just got interrupted but we kept talking about what we were going to do and I got deeper into writing music for these specific situations yeah that's I like that they are they're like events they're like it's a storybook and then I like get to the point too in a recording of course and what that means is you know without the need for long long solos now if some if you get into something really is is musical okay we could have a longer song i mean in the key of the universe we had greater as a master plan was 11 minutes long but it feels like it's two minutes when you listen to it because there's something happening that keeps you there and captured but you know i like the theme and you know a good feel and a nice improvisation so it gives us a really the perfect vehicle to play this music live and open it up even more so that when people come to see you they have an idea of the uh, selections and what you're going to do but they get even more of an honest feeling of the music you know because you're improvising even more and you can stretch it out more and explore live right there in front of everybody what was fun about this album is that you somehow released it out into the press world for over a month. So I had a copy of it and I'm, I'm um, walking the park, doing my exercise and I'm listening to this album. I'm like, man, is he generous? Like he is offering up, you know, solos to keyboard uh, trumpets, tenor sax. And, and, and he's, you know, very, very generous on this album. And then I read the liner notes. I'm like, Oh, th- this is him. This is you doing all this stuff. This is like the first time that you broke out and to do many more parts, including the vocals. Well, in some respects, not exactly. I mean, 
I've been doing that for a long time, like playing other keyboards. And I, you know, I played trumpet on some of my records, but not to this extent. And then, of course, adding the reed instrument, saxophone. But the big, the other part is, is having another organ player and uh, another voice of an instrument that is very associated with myself to have another person playing it and be able to bounce off of him. And what he's doing with the other instruments that I play is really a nice musical experience too, you know, because it also, it shows the, the differences in what you could do musically with the same instrument, still be effective with different styles. And I love that, you know, and, and it makes, and I'm happy to introduce more of that to the world because there's a lot of great cats playing organ out there and um you know this is an, another example of how strong that that sound is and how important it is you know everybody kind of knew i played trumpet but i thought that but you know there's a lot of people still that didn't and i've been playing it in my live performances for the past 30 years but you know i'll play a tune and then you know i have to play it with one hand because i i can't you know, I'm playing the bass lines, right? So I pick ballads, I pick things that I can play, you know. Now I'm able to actually stand up and play the instrument to its full capacity, at least to my full capacity, because <laughs> that's a tough instrument, like they all are, and really feel at one with it, holding it with two hands, you know, really being able to play it and uh, explore with it. And the same thing with the saxophone. I've been playing saxophone, it'll be three years in November consistently. I did dabble with it many years ago, but really getting serious about it it's been like three years and um and then lucas brown the organ player he you know from philadelphia played with people like bootsy barnes on a regular basis and i used to listen to him play with a lot of different saxophone players larry mckenna and bootsy barnes like i said and hearing him play he knows how to play with those things he's a wonderful accompanist so you know all this was very um it all came together very nicely. The idea, the fact that I wanted to play saxophone, because I talked to Lucas many years ago about doing this anyway, because of the fact that he plays guitar too, mm -hmm. because I still love the organ, guitar, drums, that, that traditional trio. But I also wanted to find somebody that played guitar a little bit, a little bit different in that respect that it's not, um, it's not the normal way that you usually hear guitarists play with the organ. It's a little bit different. It's a little more, um, you know, harmonically involved. And it's probably because of the fact that he plays the organ, too. So he incorporates some of that into his guitar playing, you know. So it's, it, we could just switch up at any time and, and we have that happen. It just keeps everything fresh for us and I think for the listener, too. Lucas Brown went to school at Temple. He plays the organ. And I went on his website. He said he went to the school of Bootsy Barnes, which, you know, you have that relationship. Can I reminisce a little about Ortlieb's Jazz House a little? Because I know you mentioned it in your bio. Like, sure. that, that's how I learned about jazz. You're, you are very integral into how I learned about jazz. I used to go down to your dad had a night and Bootsy had a night. And I would run down there and I, I've seen you play. You sold me two cassettes of your music. I think it's probably your <laughs> first and second album. And very little conversation. I gave you the money. You gave me the, the cassettes. But if I remember correctly, people would walk in the door and people would go, oh, wow, blah, blah, blah's here. After the next song, they're up on the stage and the stage isn't a stage. It, it felt like crates, like it was very low to the ground. And it, yeah. was, very, it was very small. You could only <clears throat> fit like five people tops. You know, you would play, but then when they would figure out what the next song would play, you'd be like jamming a little by yourself. I felt that that was the 
most exciting and I, I call it my happy place. Like I've never had so much fun listening to jazz and seeing the community of people together, just, Hey, someone comes in, someone's, you know, is up, they're up on the stage, the next song and everyone's laughing and, and a very supportive. I always wondered, did you ever tell people not to get on stage? Like you suck, you need to get off the stage. Well, first of all, Ort Leaves was a, you know, it was a, a community. If it was a wonderful time period. And if you caught that, that was one really great that you got to see that. It was a, a brotherhood of musicians and you had legendary people. Mickey Roker was playing drums usually. And Bootsy Barnes was playing tenor saxophone. Anybody could walk in that was, you know, prevalent on the scene or if somebody was playing at another club in town they always came there after i never officially played there as a featured i was always i would go down there if i was in town because you got to remember i started hitting the road in 1989 my first record came out so you know i things were rolling and i was on the road a lot but whenever i was back in town i'd always go down there and the drummer with me at the time for many years byron landon also from philadelphia he played quite a bit at Ort Leaves too. So when we were off the road, he would work there when Mickey Roker had to sub out. And I would I was there a lot. You know? yeah, and I would go down there and I'd play and I'd sit in and all the cats would have a great time. I didn't really have control to tell anybody not to play or, or go off the stage or and there was nobody in there going in there to play that sucked. So and they did better. You know, <laughs> like you said, you know, that just didn't happen. I never saw anyone say, you know, you know, they came in with their, you know, their cases. I've never seen anyone turn away. And I guess they knew better, but. Well, and that, that, that's right. It was like a throwback to the old things you hear about Minton's Playhouse in Harlem. You know, you better go, you better play if you came in there. It was a lot more violent back then from the stories I've been told, you know, if you got up there and played and you didn't sound good, you get in big trouble. But at the same time, because of, of the situation I had and that one of Philadelphia, everybody loved me. I grew up there. I was very fortunate to have that Philadelphia musician, jazz musician support for the most part. So I did a lot of experimenting. And it's it's funny that you mentioned, you know, because when I started, like I said, I've been playing the saxophone now seriously for almost three years. But about 20 years ago, 25, oh my God, 35 years ago, whatever it is. 25 years ago, when I first pulled it out and started messing around with it for a few days, I had the guts to go down to Orleans because I knew everybody loved me there. I could do whatever I want down there. So I went down there and played and sucked. So there's somebody, <laughs> there's an example who somebody got on stage and sucked. <laughs> me. <laughs> it was funny because it's a great story too, because there's another dear friend of mine. And it was the first time I met him. He was a tenor saxophone player. His name is Victor North. You may know Victor. Yeah. And he's a tremendous player from Alaska, but he, he's been in Philly for like 35 years, something like that. When I went down there to sit in on saxophone that night, you know, the cats were, it was Mike Boone, great bass player, was playing bass. The piano player was Sid Simmons. Byron Landon was on drums. And uh, so I said, I'm going to go down and play some tenor. I'm going to play some blues. I'm ready, you know, just because I know these cats love me and no, I was young. So I got on stage and this other saxophone player gets up there. I tell this story a lot because Victor looks a lot like Buddy Holly. Very 
unintimidating, sweet looking, nice cat. And I said, Oh, okay. So we start, we kick off this blues. I, I jump in, I play the first solo, you know, cats are laughing because they're like, Oh, here, here he comes with another instrument, you know? And then Victor just totally ripped this guy that I thought, Oh, I could deal with Buddy Holly just totally killed it. I'm like, okay. And I said, I think I'm not ready for the tenor saxophone. So I put it away for all, <laughs> for many years. So that's the, you know, that's the thing though. But if you have the love and the support and the fact is at that time, I mean, I had a lot of records out and I was as an organist and as a trumpet player, people knew, but you know, that's part of being young and having a good time and all your friends are working down there. But every once in a while, somebody might come in that's not perfect, but if they're really sincere and they're trying, you got to give them a shot. And usually some of the cats will pull their coat and say, listen, give me a call. And so I could tell you, you know, help you with what you're doing. That's the beauty of this. And that's how it should be. It shouldn't be a negative situation. But you also have to know when you're ready or not, you know. Was I wrong? Didn't your dad have a night? Like when uh, Bootsy had a night where it was like, he you did, know. My dad didn't have a night, but he played there a lot. He did he play there, there a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He would play there on Wednesdays, usually. And then he would play like on the weekends and it would be Bootsy Barnes and it would be um, Mickey Roker a lot of times, you know, and then all kinds of cats would sit in. It was just a ball. Okay. I'm going to get into this album in a couple minutes, but I have one really off the wall question. I interviewed uh, Delvon Lamar for the organ trio uh, just recently. And we were talking about organ music. If you were a little kid, maybe you're younger than me. Uh, when you roller skated, it was only organ music. It wasn't pop songs. And we, we when, yeah, that's true. Go ahead. Why, why was that? Why, why was it just organ? Like the reason I think I love organ music so much is that when I was a little kid, we'd go roller skating and it was only organ music and it was very cool. And that equals a good time for me. But why were they doing that? Do you even know? Like what, what was the reason? For well, that? because first of all, I, I'm 50, so I caught the tail end of that. I was, uh, there was a skating place in Philadelphia in the suburbs of Philly. And yes, they had an organ. They had like 12 Leslie's in there. I remember that all around the place, Leslie speakers. I think because of the way the sound carried and it was just a very smooth kind of sound and you could hire one guy. So it was affordable <laughs> and it could fill the room before. And then also to play music from, um, you know, like a DJ or now they just play. You had to pay for that, too. You had to pay ASCAP, BMI and things, you know. So it was a lot easier to just hire a cat, one guy, play the organ, get a big sound. He covers the bass. He covers all that. And, and uh, for many years, it was a Hammond. Then it turned into one of the organs that had the rhythm machines on it and all that. So, you know, but yeah, I, I, that's a good a, a good analogy. You know, it, it had a certain feeling. But at the same time. I never want anybody to say that when I'm playing, it sounds like a roller rink. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he said that he was thinking about doing an album title, uh, Music to Roller Skate too. You know. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> I'm not crazy. This happened in my past, so I feel good. So we're going to get into this album. It's called More Music. It came out on September 2021 20, on the Mac Avenue label. And we were talking about your uh, situation with Victor North. I yes. Yeah. Sure the second song on the track, I believe, is Lady G, which is a tribute to your wife, Gloria, who is awesome. You did a great job. You pulled out the tenor sax for that. It has a nice Ben Webster vibe to it. I'll take that. I love Ben Webster. Mm-hmm. 
First thing that I think about, that I thought about when I wanted to play, like when I told you I played many years ago, we're talking like for maybe a week. That was it. So this is really the time where I got into it. So the first thing I think about, especially after a lot of experience of being around all these great musicians and, and saxophone, tenor in particular, has always been a huge influence on my playing. I mean, my approach to the organ has always very much been like saxophone. My my players like Coltrane and, and Sonny Rollins, George Coleman, those were where I got a lot of influence from my improvisational ideas harmonically, right? But then when you when you start to play the instrument, you really start to pay attention to sound. So the first thing I thought about, I want a nice, I want to make sure I have a, a good sound or I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother with that. And I think a lot of that is already in your mind what you want to sound like. And if you already have that in your mind, it's going to come out on the instrument once you figure out how to work it, you know? Yeah, and that tune, I had been playing it a little bit. I That's one song that I wrote in 2019, because in 2019 is when I started playing the saxophone on gigs, because the band I had at the time, that was when In the Key of the Universe came out. Troy Roberts also played very nice uh, acoustic bass and electric, but it gave a chance to put his saxophone down and I would play one song a set and he would grab the upright. So now it was like upright tenor and drums. So that's when I started doing that. Cause then I started thinking, wow, how hip would it be to have another keyboard player or another organ player that could take over when I do this? So that's what that came about. And uh, that tune is just, um, it's the second tune that uh, that's named, you know, Lady G. Yeah, that's Gloria. And I wrote for her. That's the vibe that, you know, nice, soulful vibe that uh, I get with the melody on there. And it was like perfect for a nice breathy kind of tenor sound, you know? 
the next song I would like to talk about is Free, which is the first song on the album. It just jumps off. It's a beautiful jam, and you're on trumpet on this one, correct? Yes. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't, in general, like to talk about what I'm doing and what I'm playing and what I, you know, in general, just yeah. because it's like, it's it's a humbling kind of, you're trying to be, it's, it's a humbling thing to be able to do this and write music and play it and get everybody to hear it, right? So I don't want to just talk about what we are talking about. I'll talk about the ideas behind the songs and things like that. So yeah, Free was written specifically for me to play trumpet on. And basically it's a rhythm change with a very simple melody line that gives you the freedom to improvise over those rhythm change type changes with a little slightly different bridge to it. It's open, even though there's form. That's the thing about this music is that there's form but when you improvise you're free to improvise that's why it's good to have a lot of knowledge harmonically so you could go all over the place so that's really what that title means by free you can go where you want you know interviewed you i remember i would say what do you what do you think about this song and you'd be like well what do you think about it because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he goes it, it doesn't really matter what i think about it, it's what you think about it the next song i want to talk about is if you please this is um, a mario romano song and i did a little research on him i'm not familiar with this song so when i listened to it he's from toronto he was a musician and became a real estate developer and then yeah, that's right. late, late in life, he, he started recording and wow, this song is awesome. It's a great song. Yeah. And he writes, he's an incredible songwriter. You know, the lyrics, he, the lyrics he writes and the, the melodies and everything are beautiful. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I can write and I can write some nice songs, but I've never been one for lyrics. I wrote lyrics to one tune. And, you know, that one was pretty good, I thought. But, you know, it's not something that comes natural to me. But he's really writes beautiful melody and wonderful lyrics. And, and he's got a lot of songs like Let's send this prayer up to heaven And if you please Let me love you forever In this bliss I surrender 
my soul, my heart in sweet tender. From that first playful glance, full of sparkling romance, while the sigh in the sky whispers love so divine. Was it me, maybe you, how we knew this was true, just a matter of time. I was yours, you were mine. If you please, let our love be forever. Bless our hearts in each other. This prayer, this love, divine splendor. In times of reflection, you got you on the organ and piano and trumpet, right? And then you got no. Lucas on no, acoustic guitar. No, no, I'm playing piano on that. Okay. Uh, and yeah, Lucas is playing acoustic guitar. Lucas also played bass lines on that too. And then and, you did uh, trumpet. Yes, I played a trumpet solo on there as well because it just it just fit to do that. And um, that tune reminds me of. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, when you listen to it and you reflect on time and things it, that are happening that have happened, it's got that vibe. Yeah, definitely. When you look at that. And it's got a, the acoustic guitar and, and the organ, you know, I mean, and the piano. It reminds me of um, the vibe has got the Bill Evans, you know, Jim Hall kind of feeling to it, yeah. you know, but different. But that's the, that's the feeling I get. more for you which is getting a lot of airplay which is roll with it so you're on organ and uh lucas is on guitar right yes yes okay. and so, roll with it yeah it's like you know sorry you had a question oh no my statement was it feels like it's vintage like this could have been like a nice like late 50s early 60s song like this is an original re uh recording of yours but it has that vibe that it, it could have been very like placed back in that time period well it's a straight ahead tune it's got you know it basically what it is it's a mesh of confirmation charlie parker and coltrane giant steps but that wouldn't have been the way that melody and, and harmonically the approach of that is very much modern i mean they wouldn't have written anything like that in that time but it's okay that you know it's got that vibe and that feel i know what you mean and uh I wanted to have something on there like that. And that's what roll with it means. You know, that's you know, great. it's, it's got everything. That's what more music means, right? It, it means a lot of things, but that's another thing. The tunes, it, it reflects on And this is something that I've always been very big believer of is to reflect the whole history of the music, not just one particular thing. Cause me, to me, there are no differences. They're all, they all go together. 
Yeah, I can see that with your your last two albums along with this. I call this an epic recording. It's an event. It's called More Music. It's on Mac Avenue. I was very pro on your last album. I was out there promoting. If I could, Thank if you. I could, if I could vote for you on the Grammys, I would have. <laughs> I was out there on I Facebook, yeah, Facebook and Instagram pushing it. This album has a lot of meat to it. It's a multiple play. There's so much material in there that that people are gonna love. The virtuosity of your team and your that you have on playing with you. It's called More Music, Mac Avenue, September 20th, 21st. I, Joey, I thank you very much for talking to me today on Something Came From Baltimore. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for being so uh, uh, knowledgeable about the music and my recordings. But also, since we're this is something about Baltimore, I'm going to be playing the Keystone Corner, uh, uh, sorry, October 29th through 31st, for three nights. So it would be You're great welcome. if you could come out, check us out live. I'll be down there. I'll make sure this time that I, I bump into you and say hi. I wish I had yeah, those cassettes. Sure. I would make you sign them. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> I don't have them anymore, but I wish I did. All right. That's all right. Uh, thank you very much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. And I'm always a fan and I can't wait to hear your next stuff. Thanks, Tom. Something all right. You're welcome. You have a good day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.